Welcome to Slice's podcast, Freshly Sliced. I'm your host, Philip Lafreniere, Chief Growth Officer at Slice. Today's episode is labeled Evolving Distribution Landscape, and it's been a really interesting time. And of course, we're going to take into account the impact of COVID-19. I'm really excited for today's edition of our podcast, where we're going to chat about the changing landscape of insurance distribution, how to go about validating a new hypothesis with an MVP, minimum viable product, continuously testing and learning with data, and of course, the impact of the last, that the last six months have had on all of the above. While many insurers have taken steps to address short-term impacts and challenges from COVID-19, we believe in order to survive the long game and evolving distribution landscape, insurers must adjust how they've traditionally tackled these challenges. I'm really excited today to be joined by Shannon Varney, partner at McKenzie, and Pietro Carnevale, CEO of Hits, the innovation arm of Generali. Uh, Shannon is based in Boston, and Pietro is joining us from Zurich, Switzerland. Pietro, Shannon, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Maybe um, each of you give a, a brief introduction of yourselves and your current role, and maybe we'll start with Shannon. Sure. So Shannon Varney, like you said, I'm a partner in our firm's Boston office. Uh, I help lead our distribution domain for our North America insurance practice for McKinsey. And so I work with a broad set of players in the distribution ecosystem. So I serve a number of carriers, uh, distributors, and increasingly a lot of the technology service providers that uh, sell into uh, the, in the insurance ecosystem as well. Excellent. Pietro? I'll go next. So I'm uh, Pietro Carnevale, CEO of uh, HITS. Uh, it's the Generali Swiss-based uh, insurance tech uh, hub. We essentially focus on building partnership with early-stage startup to co-create and scale up in our solution with them. Uh, I'm almost serving as a board member on an accelerator in the fintech space here in Switzerland. Background in engineering, spent most of my career in uh, financial services and the past few years in Generali, which is a, a large global insurer with a strong footprint in uh, Europe. Uh, one of the key elements of our strategy is becoming lifetime partner to our customer offering innovative solutions to them, which implies to go a bit beyond the traditional insurance and as also implication in creating partnership more and more with uh, adjacent industry with large tech and as well startup, which is pretty much what I'm focusing on. Great. Thank you. I think that sets us up for a really good uh, conversation today. So again, thanks for joining us. Um, let's start, Shannon. You recently, it was back in June, you wrote about, you know, the effects of the pandemic on distribution citing some massive impacts as we deal with social distancing and lockdown measures. If I recall, I read the uh, the piece and a few points that stood out to me. One was, you know, half of the agents saw more than 40% decrease in your business initially. Uh, almost 50% of agents cited uh, remotely building new customer relationships as the biggest challenge during COVID-19. Can you share a little bit of what you're seeing now that we're a few months in and elaborate a little bit on, on that piece initially? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we've done uh, over the last several months, uh, we've done a number of different surveys and polls and webinars. And a, a key question that we come back to is really which area of the value chain do you see as part of your business that's ex expecting or do you see the biggest impact? 
And the answer again and again, the consistent answer here is distribution. So you know, we've done a number of different surveys, uh, both in terms of life insurance agents, PNC agents, looking at agents that service uh, small businesses, personal lines, uh, customers, um, all the way up to middle market and, and large account too. And we see a, a number of familiar themes and that's what we describe in the piece that you're, you're referencing. Um, but a, a few of the important themes that have, have come out here. Um, so to your, exactly to your point, you know, 40% of agents are seeing a substantial decline in their business due to COVID. Um, but we actually do see that the vast majority remain confident that their business will recover soon. But in terms of the challenges, it's say uh, there are four main challenges that agents face today that we've heard through the responses in the survey and then through a, a bunch of number of conversations that we've had in various forums. I'd say that first is that clearly customer acquisition for truly new de novo new customers has been very challenging. And so we, we're hearing that agents are reporting lead volume down anywhere from 10 to 30 percent. Um, we're seeing that, that there's clearly different levels of maturity um, in terms of carriers and brokers and agencies' ability to generate digital leads and successfully qualify them and route them to the agents with the highest probability of success. So the, the, the quality of you know, digital leads that have been supported by the institution have been of mixed, mixed quality and mixed results. Um, and then there's also this dynamic of, you know, for agents that would visit a place of business, um, they do, they no longer have that, that benefit of the, what I'll call the chance encounter of bumping into multiple potential clients or multiple stakeholders and create that new business opportunity. So that clearly doesn't happen in a remote model. The, the second challenge that I'd, I'd reference here is that what we've heard is that the building new customer relationships remotely has been challenging. And clearly with insurance, there's a, there's a very high importance of trust, credibility, and reliability. And many agents share that it's very difficult to build that same level of trust in a remote setting. And it's why that when we talk to agents, they're clearly much more confident about servicing and expanding their existing book versus new business. Third, I'd say that the agents are now spending less time on customer-facing sales. And this was interesting and not something we necessarily expected, but it does seem that more of the administrative burden and much, much more of the customer servicing burden has fallen to the agents in this time of, of remote work. And so customer-facing sales is now much more kind of tilted towards retention than new sales. So they're able to spend less time. They're not able to spend as much time on the, the new customer development. And then I'd say the fourth is, is just the human element here is, is less about business and just more about the personal side that we're seeing where agents, much like the rest of us, are, are just struggling with the uncertainty around the, the lockdown, uncertainty with family situations, uh, kids' schools. And so this just all creates a, a challenging uh, business environment for the agents, which has you know, surfaced in, in many different discussions and in, in primary research that we've done. Yeah, thanks for thanks for sharing that. Well, I'm glad to hear that despite this, you know, like you said, they remain confident. And I think, you know, we're we're all adapting, right? And uh, but but you know, distribution uh, in insurance, you know, is going through you know a massive uh, you know a massive upheaval. Let's say, especially with how you know we've now so rapidly digitized so many other parts of our lives, as 
you know, we had some of these these lockdown measures uh, and, and so forth. Uh, so I'm glad glad to hear. And thanks. Thanks for sharing this. Uh, Pietro, you, you've talked about, you know, in your role at HITS, you know, working with with startups, which, you know, are largely largely digital. Um, I'd like to know, like when the pandemic hit, you know, so how did your priorities change when it arrived or what segments or markets shot up to the, let's say, the top of the priority list, you know, as you looked at, you know, this uh, cohort of startups that you're working with and, you know, bringing that back, you know, in terms of, of bringing value back, you know, to the core organization. Uh, please share with us what, what you've seen over the last few months. Yeah. Well, well, we didn't have uh, so much time to over-strategize uh, how to reprioritize uh, what we were doing. So at the end of the day, we ask ourselves uh, who will be the most impacted. And uh, I mean, what, what Shannon is mentioning resonates uh, a lot also to what came out in our evaluation because agents uh, came out first. Uh, as uh, internal customers, if you want, uh, for, uh, for us. And the second, uh, it was more uh, customer service representative, being claims of customer service for our customer. Uh, if you speak about more uh, end consumer segments, uh, the two that stood up, it was uh, micro enterprise, not necessarily tech startup, but really small enterprise out there. And the second one, it was a single income household. And then at the end of the day, the second question was, what can we do and what can we do fast for, uh, for uh, this type of uh, segment that we identified? And we look at the network of startup around us. And maybe just to quote uh, a couple of examples, uh, one, we used the AI solution in order to automate uh, about half a million of customer requests. Uh, that was coming from our customer. And during the transition, it was quite key to accelerate this uh, digital and self-service way to get responses. And the second one that was more tapping into, I would say, helping out agents and helping out single uh, household income family, more in the space of protection. We were working with a Swiss-based startup that is called Flot. And when the um, COVID uh, uh, hit, we were working on using uh, them and partner with them to um, uh, increment our reach in the employee benefit business. Uh, we did a trial with them internally, work well, but basically all our corporate customers at that moment, they had the different priorities. So we pivoted the solution providing this uh, tool to our agents, which is a kind of a robo for advisor, helping us, our advisor, to have a relevant interaction with our customer at the point in time, to simply show to them what their protection gap might have been and what they could do to, uh, to, to cope with it. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned, Pietro, some, some words that, you know, we, we hear a lot, right? You, you said, you know, how... Uh, what can we do, you know, fast? You talked about accelerating, you talked about pivoting, right? Which is in response, let's say, to external factors. Um, yeah, I think that leads us to the second part uh, of the topic, right? Which is closely linked uh, to, to what we've talked about. So Shannon, you, you, you've written about, you know, moving quickly to pilot, test and learn rather than focus on, you know, multi-month multi strategy efforts. Uh, you know, and so getting started is better than waiting for perfection. Tell us a bit what the response has been in the market, 
and and what is the best way you know to get insurers on board you know to this this type of velocity uh this type of approach you know as as we talk about you know the concept of an mvp etc yeah across the industry the emphasis resoundingly has been around speed so given this shifting distribution landscape we're hearing from many different types of organizations that now they really need to quickly evolve and add these new capabilities and make real changes to their operating model. And so for some, this is going to be about new remote wholesaling capabilities or shifting from an in-person to a remote advisory uh, operation. Uh, for some, this is about opening up new channels to move towards a truly omni-channel sales channel. Uh, for others are, are talking about how do we quickly uh, digitally or perhaps analytically enable our sales forces. And the reality is that, that many of them before the uh, before COVID hit, were still very early in this journey. So, you know, we probably thought that we were in inning one or even inning two of this in terms of, you know, how mature the overall industry was in, in moving to some of these new capabilities and new operating models. So the question has been, how do we quickly mobilize our organization and move towards implementation? And this is, is what we describe in the piece as, you know, th there's a real opportunity here for the insurers and for the distributors to quickly differentiate themselves in the evolving landscape over the next several months by, as you're suggesting, just quickly moving to the pilot, the test and, and learn, you know, rather than focusing now on the multi-month uh, strategy. So, you know, getting, we say this a lot, that, that getting started right now is much better than, than waiting for the perfect solution, solution to, uh, you know, to, to form itself. And so the goal right now is, is to return the business to scale fast um, and especially, you know, taking a number of actions across all of the different um, kind of areas of your distribution organization. So on this, uh, we've talked about, you know, piloting and, and new concepts around the customer. So, you know, how do we think about more broadly understanding how to create the effectiveness of the in-person sales and service model in a remote setting? Um, for sales forces, you know, we're, we're working with organizations to help them you know, quickly launch a remote-only distribution sales force. And what does that mean for uh, the type of digital capabilities that they need to have for agents to be successful? Uh, what does this mean from a manager perspective? So what's the performance management and how do we lean into uh, the technology like CRM tools to help us you know, track our, our productivity. And then also, it's it's also just thinking about how do we expand the number of distribution partnerships and, and who we partner with. So really see that the carriers are increasingly looking at different types of players to kind of help offset the decline in sales that they reach through some of their more traditional channel channels through alternative distribution. So, you know, all of this is coming together fast. And the big theme that we're seeing across the industry is that the need to at least get going to test something and, and see what's, uh, you know, what tweaks can be made uh, subsequently. Yeah, and I wanna to get to the different players uh, shortly, but just, just before we go there, you know, when you talk about this, you know, waiting for perfection, we, we often say, you know, through our, our work over the de last few decades working with insurers, right? We, we often say insurers are used to, let's say, putting out perfect products, right? We, we live in a regulatory environment, et cetera. Uh, but now, you know, we're in this this world where, you know, it's okay to, you know, launch an MVP, to test and learn, as long as you're able to adapt quickly. 
Pietro, as as you you know come from the the, the insurer side and, and still today through hits, you know bring bring that back, bring those you know innovations and and you know the startups you work with, bring solutions back internally. Uh, tell me how how is that culturally? Is that shift you know culturally accepted? You know, and I often say insurers are in the business of managing risk. Right. So by default, you know, we are all risk averse. Right. Because that that's our DNA. Um, tell me a little bit this whole model of, you know, MVP, test and learn, uh, maybe drop a few ideas, pick the winners and continue, you know, get to product market fit and scale. Is that, you know, can you chime in on, on how culturally accepted that is? And, and if so, is that a change from what you saw, let's say, several years ago? So maybe let, let me start this way. Um, you rightly mentioned that the business of insurance is managing risk. And managing risk is not about avoiding risk, but it is being able to measure risk. So it's not about avoiding it. But I mean, you, you, it's rightly to say that we are not known as an industry as the fastest and the more agile that you can find out there. Uh, then I'm a bit biased because uh, for the thing that I do, actually everything that we do at HITS follow what I call a, a rigorously messy innovation process, which encompass the phases that, uh, that you have mentioned. Uh, but by measuring the outcome of this process, I think that progressively insurance can evolve and accept more and more because I truly believe that definitely it can increase the speed that we have in delivering things to our customer. It can reduce cost and most importantly, improve the outcome and give long-term sustainability in the way we run our business. While maybe it's really easy to understand in principle than to adopt it, I don't think that there is a silver bullet because each and every large organization, they tick in different way. So I can only share a few of the, if you want, uh, lesson learned in the way that we have established it uh, here and so far is working. Uh, but again, I, I, I cannot say that is a silver bullet. So number one, I think it's, it's about leaving this concept of getting started without uh, over-strategizing, even in the setting up of this approach. Um, the second one, definitely to start, you need to get some space, being uh, your sponsor, being some resources. And uh, since I see that Shannon is from uh, McKinsey, at least here, adopting the three-year horizon framework, it was really helped because we focus this approach more on horizon two and three type of innovation, which are important, but not so urgent. And so you do not enter in conflict uh, with the immune system of the traditional, if you want, uh, way of doing things, which is over a three-year plan. Uh, and maybe a third one, it's, it's a lot about balancing uh, theory, so new methods, new way of doing things with practice. You cannot only teach people, oh, this is the theory of agile. You, you just really need to start and do things with it and then learn it as well throughout the process. And maybe a last one, you need to ring fence to some extent this new approach, but you need to keep it connected to the real business in order to progressively push the boundaries and make it finally in the DNA of the large organization as well. 
Yeah, excellent. And and you know that's a uh, it's amazing how you know you can also kind of separate yourself, right? It be in this culture of innovation within a large uh, global insurer and help you know shift uh, you know the the mindset and 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 the process. So thank thank you for sharing sharing that. Uh, with us in, in in closing, and to go back to our our theme of uh, of, of distribution, there's one one topic I want to maybe get some brief uh, brief comments on both of you. Although it's a topic that could deserve its own podcast on its own, um, you know. And you you mentioned earlier, I think Shannon, you know, different different players. Um, you know, there's a lot of talk about major distribution disruption coming from the outside. There's probably weekly references. Um, to uh, you know, weekly references to the threat of you know the Amazon and Googles of the world. Uh, yet you know we're not seeing major entry or shift. You know I think globally, um, you know the the numbers of digital transactions you know is still growing. But you know, so just uh, how are you both advising? So Shannon, you know how are you advising your uh, partners and customers about this? And Pietro, how are you preparing for this um, internally? And we're running close to our our time here, but just maybe some some interesting thoughts that could set the stage for a future discussion on this, if you can uh, share. Yeah, and I'm happy to start. So, you know, clearly there was a concern about you know what some of these larger technology players, these larger digital natives that you're referencing, you know, could mean for disruption, particularly in distribution and other areas of the value chain. Uh, but there was also some concern just about the the, the less mature, the upstarts, the startups, um, where you see just the massive amount of funding that has followed a, a lot of these players. So, you know, just in the in the the last you know six months alone, I think we're up to over two billion dollars in transactions, and roughly fifty percent of that. So as we as we track just where in the distribution or sorry where in the value chain uh, that money is flowing about 50 percent of that is flowing to the the distribution area of the value chain but what i'd say is you know the way that we're thinking about advising and talking to uh, different firms is really shifting the fear away from disruption more to the fear of of missing out on a potential opportunity to partner with some of these firms and I think that we're seeing a much more um, uh, embracing relationship when it comes to how carriers and other parts, other participants can think about just how to partner with some of these firms. So um, you mentioned distribution, and, and clearly there's examples there where it it it, uh, it can involve different ways where these technology service provider type of firms. Um, can work with companies to help digitally enable agents, help agents be more successful, um, help with actual live coaching when they're you know, having conversations with customers or clients. Um, but it also extends in other parts of the, the value chain. So we're seeing this on the underwriting side with third-party data sources and you know, working with technology firms to do uh, natural language processing and using computer vision to help with risk assessment um, we're also seeing this in, on the claim side with you know, different ways that, that carriers can partner with organizations to do remote adjustment and you know, adjudicate claims much faster. So I, I would say that you know, the, the sentiment across the industry is very much shifted to partnership rather than fear of disruption, although that fear of disruption you know, clearly still exists to some extent. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and Pietro, do you echo that? Is that, is that the sentiment? 
internally? I mean, I guess, you know, by, yeah. by default, the answer is probably yes, based on your role. Uh, but yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this as a, as, as a closing topic. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, it definitely resonates, right? So personal view, to me, there is a possibility of this type of disruption in a certain line of business, mainly driven by the economics. In other, it's probably a probability, and that's where probably consumer behavior or regulator can be the real kicker of the disruption. Uh, coming from an incumbent, clearly do nothing is not an option, but at the same time, we need to preserve the competitive advantage and distribution that we have built uh, over century. And so basically we need to balance, uh, keep on investing and evolving our distribution from, if you want the traditional push into a hybrid and data enabled one and maintaining the space to experiment this new distribution model. And as uh, Shannon uh, mentioned, I, I would say not only InsureTech uh, can help our startup, can help us in different pieces of the value chain, but what I'm seeing it is that more and more, even the one that they came as disruptor, they are progressively shifting in potential to collaborate with either because they want to scale faster in different market or even because in the market that they choose, maybe the customer residence is not yet for pure D2C. And this to me, it's a great opportunity, I think, for us incumbent in really getting right this type of partnership and accelerate as well our digital transformation. At the end. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, it's interesting, you, you've echoed, you know, our own trajectory, right? Uh, we initially went out, you know, to to market uh, with a few hypotheses to prove, you know, on our own, let's say, but, you know, quickly recognize that to scale, you know, scale comes from partnerships, right? So partner, partnering with insurers globally um, is, is you know, the secret to uh, to our success, right? And, and you know, that that's uh, really interesting uh, to hear that uh, from you as well. Well, I think we're out of time. And, you know, I know we could keep talking about this. You're both, you know, experts. You bring tremendous uh, insights and value to this topic. We could, you know, we could carry on or probably build a series on this. We're going to have to bring it to a close. I wanted to say thank you to both of you. I mean, we're definitely, you know, the last six, seven months have brought, you know, massive uh, acceleration of change. We're still, you know, in, in uncertain times, but it's really good to hear um, from you, right? I think as, as as experts in terms of what you're doing, how Shannon, you know, you're leveraging all the data that you have, the insights that you have, and you know, um, advising the market. And I love uh, hearing from you, Pietro, how you know you're you're leveraging your position in the market to uh, bring that in-house, right, with your your partnership model with with startups, etc. So this was very insightful. I want to thank both of you. Uh, for joining us uh, today and really look forward to uh, continuing to collaborate with you both in the future. And um, I wish you all the best as we enter the last quarter of the year. Thanks to Thank you. Thank you. Nice speaking with you.